This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and we'll read the first 10 verses. Luke chapter 19, please, commencing to read from verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, that is, they cried. They all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, Today salvation has come to this house, because... He also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. The account of Zacchaeus, I'm sure I could say with great confidence, is something and a story we all are familiar with. Particularly if we have come up through children's meetings on Sunday schools, it has been used to great length, to bring home the need for salvation. And yet, as we look at it, and as no doubt we know it so well, we could easily stand up and recite it. We have known it so well. We get all the details in the right order and everything else. We're so familiar with it. And yet, therein lies the danger for what do we say? Familiarity breeds contempt. We get to that stage even coming to God's word, even to hearing what God has to say, we're so familiar. There's nothing new to be learnt. There's nothing new to be taught. There's nothing new to, be, to understand. And yet we need to grasp the reality that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's not there just to record an incident that happened at a certain time, at a certain place, some 2,000 odd years ago. But it's there for a purpose. And very much God has been impressing upon me of this recent lot of months, the reality that I discover why it's there. Why God desired that it be put in his word and why, what the message that is contained within it. For if we've been truthful and honest, we become spiritually selective hearers. We like to hear certain things, and we dislike to hear others. Jesus 
in his earthly ministry, as the gospel writers remind us, was faced with the same challenge. For what did he say to his hearers? Ye that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit would say unto them. And that's the challenge I throw out to you this evening before we proceed any further. Are your ears tuned to hear what the Spirit would say? Not what I say. What I say is immaterial. But what God says is the most important. And so as we come to this particular passage, I don't want us to say, well, that applies to a certain group of people, or that applies to this one or that one. I want to tell you this evening that what God has to say in this passage of Scripture applies to each and every one of us. There's none of us left out, whether sinner or saint. My title tonight is simply this, Rejected by Man, but Not by Jesus. The scene that is presented by Luke to us, Jesus is found in Jericho. And as we are aware, he was on his way to Jerusalem. This for Jesus was his final journey. He knew what lay ahead of him. Plans were afoot. Men were getting ready to act in a particular way. And Jesus was aware of all this. Yet we find him in Jericho. I tried even this afternoon to try and imagine what he would be feeling, what he would be thinking, knowing what he knew. Do you know, I remember one dear saint who's gone to be with the Lord said to me, do you know, isn't it good we don't know what lies ahead of us because if we did, we wouldn't be able to live for today. But Jesus was not in that position for he knew all things. He knew what lay ahead. And I wondered how he was feeling. And yet, as we read this account, we see no matter what was going on in Jesus' life, no matter what he was facing, he was about his father's business. And he was available to those who needed him. According to the Torah, God commanded that the Israelites, that three times a year, shall all men appear before the Lord your God in the place that God will choose. That place being, of course, the temple in Jerusalem. They were to present themselves there on the festival of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the festival of Booze, or Tabernacles. Moses records for us in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16. And this is what he records. Three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, and not empty-handed. They were to present themselves at the temple on these particular three occasions, and they to bring with them their sacrifices. The Passover, of course, celebrating the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt. <clears throat> the Feast of Weeks was an agricultural celebration falling some seven weeks after Passover, and it was referred to as late spring harvest. The Festival of Booze, celebrating the wandering of the Israelites in the desert for 40 years when they had to rely upon God for food and protection. This also, <coughs> excuse me, this also celebrates the last harvest festival before the onset of the winter rain in the land of Israel. Pardon me. 
throat's dry. And so, Jesus is found in Jericho. The journey from Galilee to Jerusalem passed through the city of Jericho. It was, as my research has revealed, termed the safest and easiest route. And if we could take time just to consider, Jesus ministered for three years. And so, I feel we can safely say that for those three years, three times a year, he made his way to the temple at Jerusalem to realize that on his journey up to the temple, his journey back to Galilee, he traveled through the city of Jericho 17 times. The journey was not an easy one. It took approximately three to four days. It covered a distance of some 70 miles. And Jericho would have been an overnight stay before the final 17-mile journey to Jerusalem. The Apostle John tells us of three occasions when Jesus visited Jerusalem. That of the Passover in John 2 and 13, that of the Feast of Tabernacles, John 7 and 2, and that of the dedication, John 10 and 22. And he goes on to say, and it was winter. Therefore, for me anyway, the question arises, why the details of Jesus' previous visits to Jerusalem and his visit to Jericho are not recorded? Was it possible that on the other visits to Jericho, Jesus was not called upon to minister? No one felt the need to call out to him for help, for guidance, and so he passed on by. If we can take a moment to consider the picture that would be found in the city of Jericho, we can think of the thousands who occupied the city, who were residents there, who three times a year experienced this event, and the thousands of pilgrims who were passing through on their way to Jericho and then making their way back home again. Think of the lives that could have been transformed, that could have been changed for the better if they had only realized that it was Jesus who was passing through. Not only realizing that it was Jesus, but that they had the courage to call out, as Bartimaeus did, to call out to Jesus that he may hear them, that he may minister to their particular need and set of circumstances. James reminds us in James 4 and verse 2, in which he says, Ye have not, because ye ask not. Is that possible? Because we need to keep in mind also what the Apostle John wrote in John 21 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written therein. We've asked the questions. We don't really have the answers. But it's just a thought for you to meditate. For me, the question that arises with Jesus visiting Jericho 
was Bartimaeus, not in Jericho on Jesus' previous visits? Was Zacchaeus not living in Jericho on Jesus' previous visits? I feel myself they were, for Bartimaeus was a familiar character. He was a beggar who sat by the wayside begging. Zacchaeus, because of who he was, would have been well known by all within the city. But the question is, why did they not call out? I feel they had not reached that position. They were not ready to call out for healing. They were not ready to call out for salvation. And the question I pose to you this evening, are you ready? Are you ready to do what is necessary to see Jesus? Are you ready to do what is necessary to call out to Jesus that your needs may be met? For we're all sitting here this evening. There's none of us without a need, whether it's salvation, whether it's healing, whether it's God's intervention for us in certain areas of our lives. Are you ready? Jesus had passed through Jericho on 16 previous occasions. This occasion was the 17th. He was not doing a return journey. This was a one-way journey. For Bartimaeus, for Zacchaeus, if they had not sought Jesus, if they had not called out to Jesus, if they had not reached out to Jesus, they would have missed their opportunity, for Jesus didn't pass that way again. We are reminded, are we not, in God's word, which says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. I am convinced, I am convicted, that that not only applies to salvation, but that applies to the church. God comes, he challenges, he brings before us what he wants to do through us, and yet we close the door. Are we open to God this evening? Are we ready to reach out to him? There is a striking contrast between the case of Bartimaeus and that of Zacchaeus, I feel. For while they were both found in Jericho, yet they were at the extreme ends of the city. The one was sitting by the wayside begging. The other was perched up a tree. The one was poor. The other was rich. The one sought Jesus for mercy. The other sought to see Jesus. The one had to get up to be healed. The other had to get down to be saved. And the wonderful truth is this evening that Jesus Christ is able to save to the uttermost heights of society as well to the uttermost depths of it. Jesus' action on this occasion was not the normal format. I'm speaking of that inviting himself into Zacchaeus' house. For this is the only recorded incident in Scripture that Jesus enters in where he has not been invited. Even regarding his disciples, he did not enter in if not invited. In the account of Jesus walking on the water that Mark 6 brings to us, the disciples were in the boat, they were rowing, they were toiling, and Jesus was walking on the water. And what does Mark highlight in that account? It says that he would have passed by them but for fear, they cried out to Jesus. 
in the walk to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. Again, Luke gives us an insight onto that journey as Jesus walked with the two to Emmaus. And what does he say? That he would have gone on. Or he indicated, I'm going on, boys, I'm not stopping. But they compelled him to stop, to lodge. He has often gone into houses as a guest, and not just houses of his friends, but also of those who would be classified as his enemies, but always as an invited guest. And perhaps tonight, you feel indifferent to Jesus. You may have resentments. You may have hatreds. You may have certain emotions against the gospel and against Jesus Christ. Yet, I feel tonight that if we reach out to Jesus, he will come in. He will change that attitude. He will change those emotions, those feelings. He will kick them out. And he will give you the peace and joy that he alone can give. For Zacchaeus is downward spiral from what he would have loved in normal life with his fellow Jews was without doubt his choice of business to become a tax collector for the Romans. Not that the business in itself is wrong, for rates and taxes are legitimate nuisances that all are required to pay. The pastor made reference that God loves a cheerful giver, but I don't know how cheerful we are when we're asked to pay taxes. But Matthew in chapter 17 presents to us the situation that Jesus was faced with. They had arrived at Capernaum. The tax collectors from the temple had come looking their drachmar for the temple taxes. They challenged Peter, does your teacher pay taxes? Peter said, of course. Then we are given an insight into the conversation. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, he asked, from whom do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes from their own sons or from others? And he replied, from others. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Again in Matthew 22, the religious leaders came and they tempted Jesus. They said, is it right that we should pay, being Jews, taxes to the Romans? Jesus called for a coin and he says, whose superscription is on it? Whose picture's on it? They said, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, well, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but give to God the things that are God's. And so from the Gospels, it makes it quite clear that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are responsible and required to give taxes to those who require it. The Apostle Paul in Romans 13 takes it a stage further and he clarifies this concept along with even broader responsibilities to the Christian. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authority for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. We may question, we may think they're there because we voted them there. They're there because God appointed them. 
This is the reality of God. Therefore, we can conclude from these verses, if we don't pay taxes, we are rebelling against the authorities established by God. Consequently, we who rebel against the authority, we are rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possibility of punishment, but also because of consequence. This is also why we pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing, give everyone what he owes. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If reverence, then reverence. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. For Zacchaeus, his choice of occupation Surely give him many opportunities to rob, to steal, to defraud. And of course, yet we're made aware that it's possible to occupy such a job and do what is honourable and right. For we are reminded of Matthew, who was called sitting at the seat of customs, an honourable and upright tax collector. But to one weak in nature like Zacchaeus, the temptation was too great. Surely it is wise and better if we cannot withstand the temptations that are presented to us, whether in our work or in where we, where occupation or wherever we are, that we should seek a change. But let's look at Zacchaeus and look at his actions this evening. He was a man of social standing. He was chief among the publicans, and the scriptures tell us, he was rich. He wasn't stuck for a bob. If he decided to do something, I feel very much he didn't have to wait to think, can I afford it or save it up? Money was no object. He was perhaps an overseer, a contractor over a vast area. He had many tax collectors under him, collecting the taxes. And you know, the Jewish Nation viewed them with great hatred and resentment, for they were collecting taxes for the Roman government, under whose oppression the Jews groaned, and the taxes benefited the Roman people. But also he was one who had an earnest desire. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. He not only wished to see him, but he evidently desired to know him. He undoubtedly moved by deeper feelings than just mere curiosity or inquisitiveness. Like the certain Greeks that we, at Jerusalem that we read of in John 12, they came to Philip and they said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. Zacchaeus desired to see Jesus and was prepared to do all that he could to achieve his goal. Had there been no longing in his heart for a personal acquaintance with Jesus, he would in all likelihood have passed him by. The writer in Deuteronomy 4 and 29 tells us, this is God speaking, he who looketh upon the heart hath said, thou shalt find me when thou shalt seek me with all thine heart. But for Zacchaeus, he was faced with a challenge. He is faced with a difficulty. He could not for the press because 
he was of little stature, a great crowd, a pair of short legs. They present a formal obstacle to being able to see. The hindrance was both personal and circumstantial in himself and in others. Whoever sought the Lord without being confronted with these two classes of difficulties, of our shortcomings, and the indifference of others to our spiritual well-being, surely are sure a test for the sincerity of our desire for the things of Christ. But I'm glad to say he had a fixed determination. He was determined to overcome the obstacles. He was determined to do whatever was necessary. He ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree. Now, our picture of a sycamore tree in our country is completely different from what a sycamore tree was in Jericho. For the sycamore tree was a type of fig. It had a trunk that could the circumference of could be at least 20 feet round. It had twisted and forked branches that reached heavenwards and which made it easy to climb. It could reach a height of some 30 to 40 feet. The prophet Amos, writing in Amos 7 and 14, says that he was a dresser of sycamore figs. That was one of his occupations. And can we imagine Zacchaeus dressed in his best outfit, best shoes on, rings on his fingers and all that he normally would wear, lifting up the hems of his robes and running like a schoolboy down the street and climbing up into this great big tree. As I think of that picture, I think of the determination that he was prepared to overcome those difficulties that he may see Jesus. And you know, tonight, you may be faced with many situations, many difficulties, many problems. They may involve all their people. They may just involve you and you alone. Are you prepared to do what is necessary to overcome those challenges, to overcome those difficulties, to reach out to Jesus? For Jesus is waiting for you, for he's waiting to reach out to you. He hid in the sycamore tree and he got an unexpected call. Do you know, sometimes when the phone goes, our phone sits out in the hall and somebody in the house will say, who on earth is that ringing? Do you know? And sometimes you go and maybe there's nobody at the other end or whatever. And you wonder, who was there? But you know, Zacchaeus got an unexpected call. But there was somebody at the other end. He felt he was safe up in the sycamore tree. Going by the information there, he might have been 20, maybe 30 feet up from the ground, hidden among the leaves, well concealed. Suppose he thought to himself, it's great, I've got up here, nobody has seen me. I'll hide here. When Jesus passes by, I'll climb down and go on my way. But you know, Jesus saw him because Jesus knew where he was. What does the psalmist say? 
if I take the wings of the morning and ascend to the highest heights, if I go to the farthest extremities of the earth, if I ascend to the lowest parts of the sea, you are there. There's no place that we can hide from Jesus. Zacchaeus hid among the foliage, thinking he was safe, and Jesus came along. Perhaps he was getting excited. Perhaps he said, this is great. Have a good vantage point and everything else. And then when Jesus drew near and he stopped under the tree, I wonder what he thought. Oh, he says, no, I'm going to be caught out. I'm going to be discovered. And as he maybe came back into the foliage, hoping that nobody would see him. But Jesus called out, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at your house. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost, as Luke reminds us. Jesus had came exactly to where Zacchaeus was. And he stopped and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus. He knew he was there. He knew him by name. Can I tell you this evening, Jesus knows who you are. He knows you by name. He knows your need. And he's saying, mentioning your name, make haste and come down. For today, today I want to abide in your house. There was ready obedience. He made haste and came down and received him joyfully. His prompt response to Jesus' call and his joyful reception of him surely proved that the public was both eager and honest in his desire to see Jesus. One has said, a hungry man does not need much encouragement to eat when suitable and savory food is set before him. Those who are really anxious to be saved are never far from the kingdom. But for Zacchaeus, there also was instant salvation. The whole crowd murmured when they saw that he had gone to be a guest with a publican, a sinner. Perhaps it was maybe to house their mourning, to justify himself, to justify Jesus' visit. That he stood and said, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. See, Zacchaeus was a man with a conscience. But also he was a man of action. For him it wasn't sufficient to say sorry. He had to make restitution. He was a man that was moved by his conscience to act. According to the law, as recorded in Numbers chapter 5 and 7, then they shall confess their sins which they have done, and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add unto it the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him against whom he has transgressed. The law as given by God to Moses regarding those who had defrauded by whatever means, those who had stolen, that they had to confess their wrongdoing. They had to restore that which they had taken by whatever means. And they had to add interest onto it, that of a fifth. But Zacchaeus, he did more than what the law required. And as I read that, he restored fourfold. I see a man who was genuinely sorry for his actions, sorry for the things he had did. And he was prepared not only to restore, but to handsomely 
pay interest on the wrong he had done. He was also a man moved with compassion, a man filled with charity, for he says, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Matthew in chapter 25 gives us an insight into a conversation Jesus had with his disciples. Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and you gave me drink, a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. And of course the conversation goes on and the disciples said, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see your need? And Jesus said, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it also unto me. Jesus clearly saying, we have a responsibility to our fellow man to help, to minister to him. This man so condemned had unknown to his accusers had commenced to lead a better life. He did not say, I will give, but I give. It was a practice he had been pursuing unknown to his enemies. Pastor made reference this morning that by their fruits ye shall know them. Zacchaeus, I would say, not only was talking the talk, he was walking the walk. But you know, Jesus didn't come into his house because he gave to the poor, but because he was an anxious sinner seeking fellowship with himself, a lost one in need of a saviour. We are saved not by good works, but by grace. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 makes it clear, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The day that salvation came to his house, that is the case's house, was the day that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came. Scripture reminds him, Binds us. He that hath the Son hath life. Again, Paul writing in Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And again, John, writing in John 1 and 12, But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Question this evening. Have you a desire to know Jesus as your saviour? Are you prepared to call upon him for salvation? You know the hymn writer has penned the following words. Jesus is passing this way. This way today. Jesus is passing this way. Is passing this way today. For Zacchaeus. He had let 16 opportunities pass by. How many opportunities have we let pass by? Jesus is here. He's here to save. He's here to heal. He's here to minister into our circumstances and situations. But you know, we need to invite him in. If we don't, he will pass us by. Jesus is passing this way. This way today, Jesus is passing this way, is passing this way today. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. 
For more messages like this one, visit us online at www.mpc.org.uk. You will also find a selection of informative videos at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal.